Oh, oh, one more thing. One more thing, a podcast about Colombo. I'm R.J. White. I'm John Morris, and on this episode of the podcast, we're discussing nothing filmed right. at no point and starring nobody directed by Nada. That's right. And uh, with us, as always, a special guest is no one. It's yeah. just John and I. Sorry, folks. Um, yeah. do, you, do you want me to summarize this episode for you, RJ? That's fine. We don't have to do that. Nah. Um, yeah, basically, uh, we're, we're coming down to the end of this. This is our uh, next to last episode of the podcast. The final one is going to be uh, Strange Bedfellows. Uh, but we thought we'd uh, take one out uh, to kind of reflect a little bit. Um, give our uh, lists of best episodes, in our opinion. Uh, worst episodes, in our opinion. And also, uh, answer some questions... Uh, from you listeners at home. Oh, oh, but first, oh, we've got some business. I just remembered we have to address uh, the contest. Ooh, that's right. Uh, for the Cooking with Columbo book. Uh, I'm pulling up the email right now once again to uh, get the person who actually won. And uh, yeah, we did a drawing. You folks entered. Thank you, everybody who entered. Uh, but the winner is Jen Zucco of Boulder, Colorado. She will be getting a copy of the book, uh, the Cooking with Columbo. Uh, thank you to uh, Jenny Hammerton. She's going to mail it out to her. Uh, hopefully, forth... Well, actually, Jenny used the phrase forthwith, which I thought was great. So, my Better God, actually... Is that just a British thing, or is that, like... Is that class? I, I think it's a little bit of both. I thought, oh, I'm going to yeah. I'm going to give more credit to class, actually. Yeah, on that class. Because it sounded wonderful, it was, and it was in an email. Just a, just, a, just a little email, and the word forthwith is in there. Like, oh, that, that's nice. She didn't have to throw that in, but she did. No. Uh, so, yeah, but I mean, uh, those of you who entered, thank you for entering. But, you know, you can still definitely uh, get a copy uh, of the book if you go up to uh, Jenny's Silver Screen Supper's uh, weblog or even just uh, search on Amazon or what have you for uh, Cooking with Columbo. Look for it if you're a fan of the show, if you're a fan of cooking even. Uh, it's a great book full of a lot of anecdotes, great recipes, Interesting little tidbits. And uh, yeah, definitely check it out, download it, get the print version, whatever you want to do. Uh, it's a great book. And thank you again to Jenny uh, for, for offering us the opportunity to give this to one of you folks. And congratulations to our winner. So that bit of business out of the way, John. Yeah. Yes, sir. How do you want to go about this? Should we start with the best or start with the worst? What, what do you think is the better yeah. way to go? I, I think here's the thing. The, the, there's the most really the most curiosity. And I think the thing people want to hear us talk about most is the worst. Yeah. So let's start with the best. That's true. Okay. Yeah. Leave them, leave them wanting. Get, get, yeah. get, get, get the appetite whetted. Plus I do feel like our best lists are, we haven't shown them to each other. So there's going to be a surprise, but I have a feeling it's going to overlap a little bit. Here oh, I think now. so. And I would guess even the worst one is probably an overlap quite a bit too. Um, yeah. Fair point. I've got, I've got one qual about my worst list is I, and I'm not, I'm probably not going to shock anybody too horribly here. As I was making it, it was all... Uh, for, it ended up all being from the latter era once. And I was thinking, like, well, it's not yeah. really fair. I, sh I should throw a 70s one. But I realized at a certain point, I would just be doing that just to make it fair. And why? The fact that, you know, a lot of the 90s ones are just not good episodes of television, let alone episodes of Columbo. So, yeah, if they're all 90s, so be it. That's just the way it fell. You know. I'll tell you, mine oh. is mine's the opposite. What? 
Wait, not the opposite. Your, the opposite would worst? be all seventies. No, the, yeah. my my worst list. I I was also veering towards all nineties, and I thought that's unfair, like you did. But uh, you, you mentioned something along the lines of you know it was uh, in general these shows were not good television. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, and that's that's actually really true. That even the best episodes have so many of the hallmarks of what make the other ones so bad. And I got thinking, well, let's judge both series on that. Because there are there are some that maybe they're not Barkers, but in the 70s, there are some that really kind of failed the whole Columbo offering. Right. But even though I figure yeah. even just like a mediocre 70s one was still yeah. better than but at I'm, least five of the lousy 90s ones. I'm thinking of it then in terms of I picked basically three of the worst overall and then two of the worst from the 70s. Oh, OK. Yeah. I, I wish you'd let me know we were doing that. But all right. Sure. OK, John. <laughs> sure. Whatever. Uh, well, because right. like, what are we going to say? Like, we all, I, both of us agree on two that are on our '90s list, anyway. So, there's no... um, actually, I don't have the other one. That's your problem. Oh, really? Favorite. I don't. I don't either. And uh, oh. I'm, I'm wondering if we each picked. Well, that's one of the fun things we get to find out. Well, let's let, let's get to that. Just up uh, beating around the bush. Uh, how do you want to? Cause you, as I understand, you actually rate these things, right? I just have a list of five for best and worst because I just didn't really think of doing it in degrees. Uh, I just mm-hmm. like, okay, these are five. I don't care if I ever see them again. These are five. I enjoy seeing them sometimes one more than the others. So sure. I don't really do like a one through five kind of thing. So I'm not sure how you I, want to proceed with this. Well, I did do a one through five. I don't particularly care though. Okay. Yeah. I will tell you that it, I got, uh, I wrote these on Saturday, took more than an hour to do these five. And that was largely because I got paralyzed at the end because I, I had six and I couldn't figure out which of the last two to cut. Oh, okay. And I have too much, uh, I have too much dignity to do a tie on a top five list. (laughs) That's, that's never acceptable. I don't know why they do it all the time. I I do know that one of my five, um, Mm -hmm. is probably for the worst ones is probably not going to go over well with folks because it's one that I I think is seen as, one that people actually like quite a bit from the nineties. Well, I'm really excited about that one now. So I don't, so I don't know. And I just can't for the life of me understand why people like that one. So I don't know. We'll see. Well, okay. Let's actually get to it though. I, I don't okay. know if you want to go first or I want to go first. How do you want to do this? Uh, well, I'll t- I've, since I've got a list in order, I'll go first. Okay. I'll just rattle all five off. And I'll tell my... you if I got to say, well, no, do you do your five and then I'll tell you. Five, and then you'll do your five. Yeah, yeah. We, I wonder if we ever should talk about this show before we record it. That's fine. Figure out something. All yes. right, my number five. We're gonna do. I'll even do some drama. My number oh, oh, five. Oh, from from uh, bottom to top. From the bottom. Interesting. Oh, interesting. And I think actually this is probably my most surprising pick, though. Okay. Uh, a matter of honor. Oh, okay. With Ricardo Montalban set in Mexico. Yes. Wow, Very, I am surprised at that. I'm exceptionally fond of that episode. I find it's got a wonderful atmosphere. Which yeah, you definitely I, picked that for a least favorite one. Sure. Yeah, out what? of five. What? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yes, uh, the ones I like, okay. Matter of Honor. Above that, A Bird in the Hand, there's a 90s episode. Oh, oh okay. But I, I was surprised by those performances. Evigan and, and Daly, I think, were just shockingly good in their roles. Yeah. So very, I don't want to reward them. Number three, A Friend Indeed. That's directed by our Ben Kazara. Right. Uh, it's very kind of grimy, really 70s street cinema kind of thing. I like that a lot. Okay. Number two, Forgotten Lady. Okay. With uh, right and uh, number one, Dawn's Early Light. Wow, we only uh, overlapped on one episode. 
No kidding. That's really good to hear. Yes. By Dawn's Early Light, definitely far and away. It's up there. Yeah. Uh, Death Lends a Hand. A great one. It's on my list elsewhere, yeah. Etude in Black. And almost on my list, too. Try and Catch Me. A great one. And Now You See Him. Boy, I'm really gratified to hear Now You See Him on your on your list, because I do love that episode. Yeah, I just like that one because it's... Of the Jack Cassidy episodes, that one, I just uh, I like the murder. I like uh, the interplay mm-hmm. between the two of them. I like the final scene is one of my favorite Columbo final scenes. And yeah, there's so much in that. Wow, that's interesting. I thought we would have intersected quite a bit more in there. I thought wow. so too. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But, but it seems really to me, light, right? I, I think I, it almost seems to me like I picked a lot of the easier ones. You picked ones that were like, oh, okay. Like you, you I, picked like the thinkers. comedians, comedians of good Columbo I a, episodes. I got a bunch of David Steinbergs up here. Yeah, yeah. You got the you got the uh, the uh, pitch for Bob ten Einstein's. out of tens. Of <laughs> Columbo. Well, I, you know, I I was no, thinking I, about yeah. two things. You know, I was thinking about their structure, and then I was thinking about how much personally I I had like a good reaction to that episode. I, I was thinking mainly about the ones where no matter what, if I see them. And I will get this in the questions. I'm not going to be watching a lot of Columbo in the near future. But these are ones that, if they are on, if I happen to see them on, I'm going to sit and watch a giant chunk of them, even though I've seen them lots and lots of times. The ones I still enjoy watching, no matter what, no matter if I've spent four years talking about every single Columbo episode on a podcast (laughs) and watching them multiple times, these are the five that I, I feel as though I'm not going to get tired of watching this happen again. Yeah. Yeah. Those sound, those, that was a good Without stage. a doubt. Without a doubt. Those are the five where I've seen this. Yeah. So what? I've seen this. I want to see it again because the performances, uh, the writing, the story, everything just, uh, it's what I enjoy about this program. And those five kind of encapsulated for me. Boy, try and catch me in particular really feels like a kind of, peculiar to the 70s kind of movie you might catch in the afternoons on the local station. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. definitely yes. got that yes. feel. Like, oh, I yeah. love this film. You yeah. sit down, you stop what you're doing, you watch it. So so the ones you chose, uh, yeah. the four that I didn't choose, uh, please, if you would expound on a couple of them or why and specifics about that. Actually, I was going to ask about, was it Dawn's Early Light, the only one we crossed over That on? was the only one, yes. That's amazing. Yeah. You, um, yeah, well, let's talk about that one last, and I guess okay. we'll we'll go through our others. Uh, Forgotten Lady is, I think, the only fully tragic Columbo episode because nobody's a winner at the end of it. That's true. I think it, it's, it's got, one of the, it's one of the uh, only two where he lets the uh, killer actually go. Right. Yeah. I mean, for a while. Um, well, he lets you know, the person end. go. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I mean, Columbo's tremendous sympathies on display in that episode. I think that's wonderful because that's a an element of the character that's essential to him. But we don't necessarily get to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it was really wonderful that there was a. I just felt like that twist was really surprising. And then I think we talked on that episode. I I did have an experience with early age dementia with my mother, mm-hmm. and so it had that extra emotional connection for me. Right. Uh, after that, A Friend Indeed, that is just a sinister, sinister episode. Yes, that one actually, uh, that was that was close. If I had, if I had to do ten of these, that would be on the ten list. Yeah. Just didn't quite it's, make my five. But yeah, that would definitely be up there in the top ten for me, yes. And it's beautifully directed. 
it's, I think, one of the most infuriating killers. Oh, yeah. What you an know, asshole. And then also the complication of like, oh, hey, it's his boss. Right? Yes. And that he yeah. just, he, he has the all the powers of the LAPD and his ability to cover his tracks. Right. It's just, it's gross. And, and, they, and they spared no expense getting uh, Richard Kiley. So, yeah. This is true. Uh, let's see. After that, we go to a bird in the hand. That one yeah. is largely just because it was a surprising episode. You know, we're in the middle of the 90s. We've seen a couple good ones. Mm-hmm. But then this this one, and Tyne Daly not just doing a, a, the expected a very good job she was going to do. Right. But then surprising us with little character twists and nuances. Yeah. And... It turns out the flirty little drunk thing she was doing was not to trick anybody into thinking she was uh, a head case. Mm. It was that's who she is. And also she's incredibly devious and brilliant. Right. I've got I think we were I think at some point uh, during this, we're going to talk about like a few 90s ones we would actually Mm -hmm. recommend. That is on that list. I have that uh, for that for sure. That's one of my favorite ones. The latter era deal. Yeah. Uh, let's see, and that puts us then at a matter of honor, which is the one that takes place in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it was kind of, it was interesting to see Columbo out of his element, uh, because you couldn't make L.A. a character in it. Right, and, and also with some continuity. Oh, yeah, because it... It directly references the, the cruise episode. Right. They said, like, oh, we write about you solving the murder on the cruise ship, so we kind of waylaid you here to help with this. Yeah. Which is interesting. Uh, odd. Yeah, so I'm I'm very fond of, and the setting is really lovely to see. And yeah, yeah, I think it's just exciting to me on that level. Um, I guess I go through mine too. Uh, Dawn's early yeah. light. Don't need to say anything more about that. It's a good episode. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's just good. Even if it wasn't part of the series, it's just good drama. It's good television program. I mean, it's a great yeah episode. Uh, Death Lends a Hand. I just. I think it's a Culp's best performance on the series. Um, I, I know it, it's been a thing in here where I kind of more enjoy the uh, uh, the football episode, but the, I don't know. Some of a Culp in that one, he's just very ruthless and creepy. Uh, the, visually, it's an interesting episode that that uh, whole shot with the glasses where yeah. you see the entire murder and the covering it up, where just, uh, just everything about that is great. And just his kind of just very resigned breakdown at the end where he just says, it happened. That's it. Very calmly lets himself be led away, and it kind of turns out like, yeah, I didn't know it was actually in the trunk or not. So, yeah. yeah. I thought that was a very, very good example of Columbo. Um, Etude in Black. Um, actually, I just saw that one recently, this past weekend, or the weekend before this. It was on um, mm-hmm. Hallmark Channel on some Saturday morning, and just reminded me of like, oh, this is, yeah, definitely one of my favorites. Uh, because Casabates is amazing in it, and also uh, directed by Coach from Cheers, which can't can't hurt. Yeah, you can't uh, throw a stick at that. That's nice. Get a get a pedigree. Uh, try and catch me, because uh, Ruth Gordon and Falk make a wonderful uh, combative duo in that, and also it's one of the most disturbing murders of the series. I think. Yeah. If you just try to imagine yourself as that guy in that safe. And with your last moments, you're just trying desperately to... You don't know if anyone will ever see this note that you're putting down. Hiding in a light bulb. Yes. Yeah, you... uh, Uh, I remember you really talking about that viscerally when we reviewed the episode. Because it's horrible. I mean, think about it. Think about that. You've been putting... I mean, 
And the thing is, he also, it, it, and he's not blameless because it is very, impl- it's implied heavily, and who knows mm-hmm. if it is the case or not, that he did maybe murder her or was responsible for the death of her uh, niece. Yeah, niece. Yes, niece. Uh, so, yeah, there's a bunch of different layers to it, but the way Ruth Gordon and Falk work together, the way she's just so, even up to the end when he's trying to prove it, she's very friendly and jolly to him, and it's just, yeah, very... That's fascinating. And now you see him, it's just Jack Cassidy at his best being terrible. And also, it turns out, he's a Nazi. Right out of nowhere. Yes. Yeah. And Robert Loggia is a uh, head of a kitchen or something like that, so that's fun. Um, (laughs) So yeah, that's why I picked those five. And yeah, I did feel, I felt weird on both lists that there wasn't, well, no, at the worst five, no 70s, best five, no 90s and i felt strange both ways but thought like well that's just how i feel about them and it's kind of just the way they were made um sure i mean this is all taste anyway even as even if we've done four years of talking about these episodes it's still about do you like this one do you feel it fits the 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 scheme right which is just you know just us gassing about this stuff being fans of the show you know to a certain extent but I mean, there are no wrong you... answers. Is exactly. What I'm yes, exactly. I mean, there could be people out there who hate one or two of the ones you put on, or one or two ones I put on. I mean, I I love uh, Burton and Hand. I, I, I love hope... Burton Hand, and I'm sure there's people like what Burton Hand? Oh, that's Greg Evigan, my two dads. Like, I, I but you hope if people it. dislike good. it, I hope if they dislike our list, they definitely go to iTunes and leave an angry comment about it. Oh, sure. Oh, we no. got to do that on the way out. No, However, no. I do want to say if anybody uh, listening would like to head over to the boards and put their top five. Yes, lists on that's great. Because we could also, you know, we'll throw those on our last episode when we get to uh, that. Yeah. And what was that? What, what was that going to be again? I forget. I always keep forgetting which what our last episode is going to be. Oh, I, what strange, is that? It's, um, strange, strange, strange. Oh, gosh. Bedfellas, like, oh Right, right. But you said you're going to watch again tonight? After we're tonight I'm going to... I actually have not watched it. I watched it once, four years ago. Was so horrified by it. What? It I just don't... became legendary in my mind, and thus, and thus I poisoned you all with it. Here's the thing. I, I have not seen a second of that episode. I've been saving mm-hmm. myself for marriage, if you will, until um, we have to actually get ready for the, ep- for the uh, podcast for that one. But also, I can't imagine it's probably... I mean, it's 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 a bit. To be honest, it's a bit we've been doing yeah. because it's it's fun to have that. It's fun to have a weird sort of villain looming out there, and that's strange bedfellows. But I'm sure it's going to be perfectly fine for a '90s Columbo. I'm sure it's just going to be kind of a mediocre detective <clears throat> show, and it's not going to be. I don't Golly. think it's, I don't think it's going to be terrible on the order of some of the ones that are their worst list. I don't think it's going to be Let's... anywhere near that. Is it going to be I, uh... him playing a tuba in front of uh... excited school children? No. Golly, I'm just saying. Um, That's got Rod Steiger, I, right? How bad can it? Well, okay. Hold oh, on. golly, friend. Oh, never mind. Oh, never mind. Um, I, I'm sorry yeah, I said I'm just, that already. I, I know that it's been a few years since I've seen it, so I might be suffering from. There were ten guys, and they were tall as trucks. Or <laughs> Syndrome. But right. my ex, my memory of this movie is just. Yeah, it's just so bad. But we'll, we'll find see, out. I can't. I can't yeah. imagine it's going to be that terrible. And and if if it is. I'll be pleasantly slash unpleasantly surprised because <laughs> at least we'll make uh, for an entertaining program. We'll see. It was di- it was directed by Joel Cohen, so. Oh really? Yeah, it's yeah, one of the right. Cohen brothers' earliest works. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, that would have been a delight. All right. Well, should we go? 
Should we stay on the positive train as we're no, talking about best ones and talk about uh, which 90s ones we'd recommend before we get to the bad ones? Let's let's keep it nice. Let's keep it nice okay. and light. Let's keep it nice and light. All right. So let's do that. I we I we also uh, both uh, came up with uh, lists of. I mean, the '90s ones get a bad rap, understandably so, for quite a few of them. But there are some good episodes in there. Uh, ones with good performances. Ones that and the thing that's great about it is it surprises you when you watch them. Like, oh, well, I'm expecting crap. You're like, oh, hey, that was actually interesting. That was a good story. It was good mystery. Good acting. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if you want to go first with the ones that you would uh, recommend people see if they've been kind of steering clear of them because they've heard yeah. bad things. It's like, well, no, give these a try. Yeah. Dive every, into these. Yeah. I'll tell you, every season had at least one that you could watch. Right. Yeah. Right? So, uh, and I'll tell you, uh, we'll start with the last one. If you really want to see a very good Columbo that – gives you a hint as to how it would have been done in the 2000s and onward. Columbo likes the nightlife. Right there on my list. Agree with you 150%. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's a good Columbo episode, and it it did a modern version of it without doing the pandering thing that a lot of those 90s ones did. Like, oh, look at your old faithful Uncle Columbo and all those mannerisms. No, he was just this old detective uh, trying to solve a mystery in the uh, L.A. rave scene. And it, it was fine, and it, he's very charming in it, and no one's treating him differently. And it even has John Finnegan for crying out loud. Of course, it has John Finnegan. That's great. I love that. Yeah. No, I would. Yeah, definitely, it's a wonderful I, episode. Yeah, that's a great one. You should def, people should definitely seek that out, for sure. RJ, um, I have Butterfly in Shades of Gray. Another superb choice, also oh on my, my list. Gosh, Shatner is just great. Uh, it's one of his better toupees. Uh, he does a great job <laughs> eating up the scenery. It's several of his uh, Yeah, the two of them uh, just work <laughs> very well together. Uh, uh, Falk and Chatner. It, it's a good, good example of a, a Columbo episode, let alone a 90s one. Yeah. John? Uh, another season favorite. Uh, this one might be controversial, but let's find out. Murder, a self-portrait. Oh, really? I don't have you, that one on my list. It's a, it is my favorite out of season nine. Okay. Uh, and it it's a bizarre art film. It finds Columbo in this very torrid European style affair. <laughs> yes, that is strange. Yeah, and it it is such a it's such an unusual environment for him to be in, and the characters that he's interacting with are all just marvelously strange, and fired up and passionate, and they all have wonderful backstories, and they all act on them. And it feels in some fashion like you might have walked into a play. Oh, definitely, yeah. Which so I'm not I, a huge fan of that sort of thing, so that's probably why normally. I didn't put it on mine, yeah. I don't normally dig that one, but uh, I have to admit, and it's it has uh, uh, you know an ominous foreign film feel, and I think you'll appreciate yourself for watching it. Um, I, Uneasy Lies the Crown, I think, would be a good one for folks. <laughs> really? Okay. Yes, because it's just such a sleazy weird thing it's the i think the uh the clash between colombo and the it's kind of one of those things i love where they both know that colombo knows that he did it but he just can't quite get to proving it colombo fudges things in the end to trap the guy um i think for me what helps is that it actually was written for a 70s one plus that strange backstory the fact that it was an episode of Macmillan and... I'm sorry. <laughs> the wife was gone, 
But Macmillan, well, we'll say Macmillan and Wife, back in the 70s, and this was a remake of it. A remake of something that was originally written for Columbo back in the 70s, but not produced by it. Yeah, I just, I, I really, really enjoyed that. It's one of my favorite 90s ones. Yeah. Woof. <laughs> All right. Hey. That, one's, uh, that one's not on my list, but you might judge me for this one. Death Hits the Jackpot. Oh, really? Oh, Rip that Torn is... and Gary Kroger. You know what? That almost was there. That, that was, one, again, if I had, like, seven instead of five that I listed, that one would yeah. be on the list because, yeah, no, that one was a fun, weird, goofy, strange thing. Yes. Can you think of a single 90s episode of Columbo that was as much straight-up fun as that one? Yeah, I guess, yeah, you're right. Just because, yeah. like, um, um, Rip Torn's crazy accent, the strange <laughs> apartment full of neighbors... And Gary Kroger is like his strange photographer lifestyle Which, apartment with a chimp, a chimp, and, yeah, and a guy in a kilt. And it's it's obvious this was just somebody dumping like a pilot script for a sitcom or something. Yeah, it was strange. And, Which I mean, we're gonna get to one of the questions, but yeah, yeah, we'll address that later. But yeah, that was that was almost on my list of uh, ones to recommend, but not quite. But yeah, that one was that one was definitely a fun one. Do you have a Do you have another one? Uh yeah. Well, I mean, we both said bird in hand, right? Hands down, flat out. Watch that one. Um, of the McGowan ones, the later area, I pick Ashes to Ashes. I had a I I made a little question for my own self about favorite McGowan Culp and um, uh, Cassidy episodes. Uh, okay. And uh, McGowan's very tough, right? Because right. all four of those are of, of relative similar quality. Um, early Dawn's early light is head and shoulders above the other three, but it's pretty tightly closed for two to four. This was a long way of saying that Ashes to Ashes is my favorite of the '90s, if not even if it isn't of the whole run. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I think like uh, like um, uh, Death Takes the Jackpot, it's absurd. Well, yeah, and I think it's something you brought up uh, the last one we talked about, um, Murder Too Many Notes. McGowan also mm. directed it, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, yes. it just it gets deeply weird sometimes. The the uh, guy singing the medley of uh, funeral director-themed songs at the funeral director's convention. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rue McClanahan's weird damn gossip columnist thing. Uh, yeah. What is, wasn't there a scene where Columbo and McGowan... Are in a hearse. Come, in yeah. a hearse. Yes, at the convention. Yeah. Of the helicopter coming of... down. It's a really right. weird, weird episode. Poor it's... Sally Kellerman getting a uh, getting a big handful of ashes up her skirt because of the helicopter blowback. Right. And I think there's also yeah. a thing where uh, McGowan's doing his yelling thing that he's good at with Columbo. Right. Hello. How's it Hello. going? Yelling at him, at the, yelling at Columbo at the back Are of you... the... Uh... That's right. Are you there? Yes. That's my favorite. Yeah, that's, that's why that's one of my favorite ones. If you're going to watch someone from classic Columbo... Just mm. be nuts in a '90s one. Uh, Ashes to Ashes is definitely your best value. There, I think that's a good. That's a really good recommendation from the '90s. That's a solid viewing. It's just strange, yeah. It just it's a bizarre, creepy, morbid one, and I think it mm -hmm. yeah, works really well because of that. That's right for his sense of humor. That, yeah, that's the nicest thing about McGowan as a director. I think is that he does have a really dry and a really grim sense of humor. Oh yes. Yes. So it's so, it's really wonderful to watch this. He does this carnival circus music. Yeah. Uh, to, he blows everything out to nursery school proportions. And <laughs> then it's so it's gleefully deprecating and mortal flesh. And yeah, I love it. Yep. 
It, it's, it's I almost put stuff. almost put Last Salute to the Commodore in my best of list. Oh, really? I would. Yeah. You know what? That would maybe be in my. Ah, I don't think it'd be my ten, but I like that one. I like that one so much more than people seem to. Mm-hmm. That thing was so strange and funny and odd. When, I like when it. you accept it for what it is, it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I don't get I don't get the uh, how people don't enjoy it. I mean, yeah. people got opinions. People like different stuff. Me personally, I think it's just a fun, weird, nutso thing. It's mm-hmm. just out there and it's bizarre, and you can tell they were just having fun screwing around with it. Yeah, sure. everybody clearly was having a blast. I think... Um, well, I was tired of doing the usual stuff, so they just did yeah. this weird thing. Yeah. Or probably they were all drunk, too. Well, that, I think yeah. Maybe drunk because they were tired of doing the usual stuff. Maybe that's it. <laughs> and decided, let's let's put on a show. Let's get let's put up sets in the bar, and we'll do a thing. We'll get, we'll get blasted on whatever, and we'll just do our little detective show, our little murder program over there. Murder program. <clears throat> You know what? Let's keep the positive train rolling oh, okay. before we think of stuff. I, I I think we also discussed briefly over email uh, doing a, a handful of uh, best performances. Yeah. I've got four that I've listed. Um, I'm not sure how many you have. You probably have a list of 15. But I've got four definite ones that I've listed that, like, oh, man, those ones really stand out to me when I think about the show. And I don't know if you want to go with yours. How many do you have? That we I have four. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. Four and four. It worked out perfectly. Let's see if these intersect. That might be interesting. All right. Well, you you get to go first this okay. time. Uh, I've got uh, Stitch and Crime, Leonard Nimoy. Was... That's a cold bastard. Cold bastard's come. Wildly creepy. As cold as a snake. Yes. And it's not something you normally you associate with Leonard Nimoy. Nope. And that's uh, one of the reasons I love it, and he just sustains it throughout the entire thing. And yeah, I think that's what, uh, one of my favorite uh, murder performances on the program. John? Yes, sir. What's your first one? Uh, Susan Clark from Lady in Waiting. Okay. This, uh, her, her very rapid rise from timidity to tyranny is one of my favorite character arcs. And I would... Uh, I. I would make a pitch that that story, that Lady in Waiting, could be three seasons of very good prestige television. Huh. Uh, okay. Where she gradually comes up and yeah. control after killing somebody. Okay. Killing <laughs> yes. After, killing her brother. Yeah. After killing somebody. After killing her brother, she gradually takes control of the... What was it? Advertising? Yeah, it was advertising. No, it was, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, a, it was a law firm, wasn't it? No, it was... A, it was no, a advertising. Yeah. You're yeah, right. Advertising. Sorry. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. come back. Arjun. Um, I've got uh, Donald Pleasance, an annual port in a storm. <laughs> it's a tie. It's a tie with this Mrs. Columbo episode. No, no, it's not. Yeah, it um, should never be. But no, Pleasance, an annual port in a storm. It, that's to me is like a, the best example of the murder in the heat of a moment uh, killings on the series. And then having to desperately backtrack and try to cover it up when he didn't really want to have any of this happen in the first place. Uh, but just so desperate and sad and then in the end just kind of almost relieved at having it just be off of him right yeah and the the fact that he he quailed all of his pretensions would just break down and quiver instantly at the thought of anyone liking his company Right, yes. You know, he might get a friend, and all of a sudden he basically just wants to confess to Columbo or make the murder never happen, or, yep. you know. Yeah. Now, I thought, I, thought, I thought it was great, that, that final scene with them in the car, 
Um, it's just, it didn't feel forced. It didn't feel no anything. It just it was like it was a nice moment that felt earned in the rest of the show. Yeah, that that's one of my favorite ones there of that. That is that's a great pick. Yeah, uh, I'm going a little sassier from the greenhouse jungle. Oh, what? Ray Milan. Oh my God. Who played incredibly insouciant Jarvis Goodland? Good Lord! And uh, against uh, against Sandra Smith's Kathy Goodland, I loved that. I, bit. I, I thought I could, it was incredibly entertaining. I I could, if only for the the um, uh, difference between his portrayal in that versus um, uh, his how he played the character in uh, Death Lends a Hand. Death Lends a Hand. It's just a huge difference. Just I know two it's completely tremendous. different actors. It was a and little, you know, it was, was a little fantastic. broad for me. It was funny, but it was a little broad for uh, me. I I just take I'll take funny. <laughs> I like broad. Broad is broad is rewarding. And speaking of that, speaking of broads, speaking of broad, uh, I've got uh, Tyne Daly in A Bird in the Hand, which we discussed before. That's one of my favorite uh, performances in the series. Uh, utterly reasonable. She's great. She's great in that. <laughs> yeah. She's just yeah the way she yeah plays the kind of. You think like, oh, kind of out of it, out of touch, drunk, and then turns like, oh no, she knows what's going on, and she's, oh no, and then she kills somebody else too. She kills Craig Evigan later on. You don't expect a second murderer in that episode, and then she's pretty ruthless. And yeah, I, 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 I really, I really, really liked what she did in that. And I mean, she was in uh, Undercover, I believe. Was yeah, she one? has a, a weird cameo. In I did, I did not like her cameo in Undercover at all. I don't uh, think I like the cameo either, but only because it doesn't make any sense. Right. So so when I saw she was in this, and the kind of character at first she was playing in this when I watched it, I was like, oh, great, here we go. Uh, but then it, it just blew me out of the water. Impressed the hell out of me. And yeah, it, it's it's she was astounding in that. I thought she was great. Yeah, I love her in that one. Yeah. Awesome. That is such a good... I, I My affection for Tyne Daly, and I always really enjoyed her, is through the roof, particularly because she's on what I think is easily the best episode of the 90s. Mm-hmm. And she's in easily the best Swamp Thing episode. Oh, well, there you go. Right? That's, I don't. I haven't seen that one, so I don't know. Sorry. Uh, 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 there's no point explaining it, but That's okay. uh, don't I am going to see out. if I can get an oral history started. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure, her agent will be in touch. Sure. Okay, uh, what, what's your uh, next one there? This thing? Oh, uh, it's a tie. Uh, okay. Martin Landau. <clears throat> Aha, there you go. From uh, Double Shock. I thought his Dexter and Norman Paris's Yeah, were that's good. That's very good. Very enough. entertaining, yeah. Yes, yeah. Played him just differently enough. Uh, the scene in the casino uh, where the more straight-laced one takes him to see the uh, inveterate gambler one. They're both him. I th- yeah, I, yeah that, that's good stuff, yeah. Yeah, they, and, you know, we were talking about playing something too broad earlier. It was not played too broad. It was very No, natural. it could have been. You're right. You're yeah, right. Yeah, it could have been absurd, but it just felt like two guys who, yeah, one of them got away with more as a kid. Yeah, all right. Yeah, exactly yeah, good. it. Uh, my last one is kind of a cheat. Okay. More of a sentimental choice. Is it dog? No, it's John Finnegan across I'm several sure. decades. And it should be. Always reliable, always there, playing guys who own restaurants, guys who own diners, cops, <laughs> who knows, whatever it is. John Finnegan, it was always kind of a pleasure to see him. You know what? I would almost tie it with uh, Bruce Kirby, actually. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
Just yeah, seeing those lose... guys, you feel like kind of warm, familiar feeling when you see either of those guys in an episode. Like, oh, okay, good. Yeah, you've you've always, I think, been more affectionate towards uh, Finnegan than than Kirby, or he's meant. Oh more. yeah, 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 a little bit. But uh, Bruce Kirby is not far behind in that. Yeah, I think Finnegan because he just played so many different characters. Yeah, but pretty much playing he's... the same character. He's Stan Which Lee. He's the Stan Lee of the Columbo universe. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. You're right. He's just right. He's, he takes a kid away from the crowd when there's a gunfire. Exactly. Yeah. Playing a security guard. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's you're right. That's who he is. There we go. Well, my final one uh, is the greatest character of all in the show, the city of. I'm not going to. Oh my god! You go to hell and turn this off right now. <laughs> but uh, it's. Um, I I I I'm going to make this a tie. Okay. Because they're from the same episode. Okay. Uh, and it's an episode I'm I'm rumored to quote unquote hate, although it's merely that I it doesn't do much for me. Sure. But Vic Tabak and Mary Wicks from Suitable for Framing. Oh. They both oh, have Oh, interesting. I would not have guessed this in a million years. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they just have really delightful character moments and I yeah. love them both. Oh, especially yeah, Vic, especially Vic Tabak. Oh yeah, yeah, Mary Wicks with a with a bird in the apartment, right? Yeah, right. Doing oh, just gosh. perfect Mary Wicks, a pitch perfect Mary Wicks after I, all these I'm years. I'm very very shocked that uh, you picked anything from that episode at all, John. It's up to you. Do you want to do the worst ones now, or do you want to go through our listener questions and then do our worst episodes? Keep those till the end. I tell you what, uh, it's going to be so nostalgic answering all of these questions. Are we going to seem like really bad guys if we end it on a? On the note of hating the 90s? It will be better than Blair. All right, let's do it. All right. So we asked you folks, and a lot of you wrote in, and very thankful to you for doing so. Um, Any questions you had about the show, about the podcast? And we've got quite a few uh, as as comments on the website, uh, emailed to us directly. We got a couple even as um, uh, responses on Twitter. So now we're going to go through those, if you will. Uh, John, are you ready? I'm all set. Okay, first off, from TJ Meyer, would be interested in your top 10 list on 70s villains that should have reprised in the 80s, 90s, 2000s incarnation, but didn't, and also who should have come back, but didn't, and why? Now, for me, that first question is kind of strange, because there's a few that I thought of in terms of like, oh, folks who just wouldn't have been around anymore, mm-hmm. or actually a lot of the ones I wanted to come back would did. Um, so I only have, like, a three uh, that I kind of wish, like, those actors had come back to do it because they were still working uh, in the later era. And I, do you have uh, your list, too, or no? Or do I, I, I sort of did. I I veered completely. I got, like, three folks. Three folks. Yeah. Who I kind of had better in 70s ones, and it would have been nice to see them do 90s versions, especially yeah. uh, performing the way they were performing in the 90s, that I thought that would have been interesting to see them come back. Um. Mine were Leonard Nimoy. Would have been nice to see him do another okay. one. Yeah. Uh, Ricardo Maltabon would have been nice to see do another turn. I'd forgotten him, but I just thought, yeah, that would have been fun. And also uh, Joyce Van Patten, I would have liked to see him come back in the 90s. I was thinking 2000s. about her because yeah. she deserved a better plot. Yes, yes, she yeah. did, for sure. And I think, yeah, I think uh, to see her doing a 90s, 2000s one, I think that would have been interesting. So uh, I went a little off script because I have just – it became a bunch of killer stuff I wanted to see. But oh, to my. answer the question, uh, Susan Clark from Lady in Waiting, Trish Vandeveer from Make Me a Perfect Murder, mm. 
Uh, they were both still acting. I thought it would have been kind of fun to uh, to see them come back, especially because... uh, especially then uh, later to see the uh, uh, mom from Webster, right? Killing a guy, <laughs> the killing deadly somebody. mom from Webster. Yeah, but I think either of them too would have been better um, picks for rest in peace, Mrs. Columbo, than just having the woman whose husband died in jail or rotted in jail. Oh, a piece of rock would have been better than that. Yeah, yeah, sure. fair point. What a waste of Ian McShane. Yes, yes. Yeah, if the question was that, Ian McShane <laughs> as a killer would have been nice in a 2000s or 90s one, too, I think. Well, but he wasn't He wasn't famous enough, I guess. I don't know. What what killers would you want to see? Because I have an interesting one here for the 90s. Who should have come back but didn't? Well, yeah, or ju- I think just in general, because that's... I, I kind, I of, I kind of wish um, Culp and Vaughn... Culp should have. Mm-hmm. I wish Culp had actually come back as a killer, not just a jerk rich dad of a jerk rich kid. Yeah. And Robert Vaughn was definitely doing stuff that it would have been nice if he had come back as somebody. I think that a hundred percent. Yeah, I would like. I would, to see I would both love of to. Them. He, and he was kind of doing that sort of hammyish thing at that point for the later ones. Mm-hmm. So I think he would have been very, very good doing that kind of role. Um, yeah, as a villain again. I'm sad that uh, Shatner and Coleman did not become the the sort of Culp and um, Cassidy of the 90s. Oh, that, yeah, that would have been kind of neat. I think every every couple of years there should have been a William Shatner appearance or a Dabney Coleman appearance. Oh, that would have been fun, oh, especially Dabney Coleman ones. Yeah, that would have been right. neat. Ah, jeez. Yeah. Um, I, was, I have a list here. I think that Rest in Peace, Mrs. Columbo should have been a Legion of Doom episode. What? Oh, all the past villains coming back? It should have been like four or five past villains just like... Who had gotten out of prison or gotten off due to technicalities or, or something Or were doing like stuff. Yeah, well, I think I might have yeah. mentioned this. Hugh, Hugh Creighton gets them all out. Oh, right. Yes, I do remember you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, so yeah. I, I think I would have loved to have seen that. That would have been good fun. Yeah, uh, that would have been good. And then, uh, and then the crazy thing. I, th- I think, and I don't know if they would have been open to this, but in the 90s episodes, if Shirley Jones or David or Sean Cassidy had been available to be a killer, uh, I think they would have done okay, but also it would have been a nice nod to Jack, you know? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I think David and come Cassidy on, and, more, because I think David Cassidy was actually doing some production stuff then, like doing more mm-hmm. hour-long things around that time. I, uh, I have a list anyway of, of big names from the 70s who were still working in the 90s that I thought would have been good big names to be on 90s Columbo when they didn't have one. So that you could have had an episode like uh, Mur- Mur- Murder Lies the Crown that I forgot the name of apparently. And instead of having who, you could have had, say, Raymond Burr. Or wouldn't Raymond Burr have been good? And that one? Maybe not in that one. Yeah, I don't know about that one. I could see him doing something, but maybe not that one. I think he wanted but something I was about like, the age of that guy who played it. Raymond yeah. Burr, B. Arthur, Carol Burnett. Hmm. I think these would have been really fun, but you know who would have been a really good murderer in the 90s? Hugely good. Who? Who? If you don't lose your shit about this, I will quit the podcast in two more episodes. Okay. Burt Reynolds. Oh, of course. Right? But he was Burt too busy. Reynolds could have played. He was too busy being Beale Stryker. I know, but he could have been—he could have been murdering. No, that would have been good. Down. That would have—that yeah. would have been a wonderful. Yeah, that would have been very, very good. Yes. And I think it would have been fun to bring Leslie Nielsen back. Oh sure, but I think eh, he was—he was spoiled. He couldn't be a killer. He was too—he was too deep into the goofy stuff. Yeah. With his little yeah. like a uh, fart cushion, he was doing around with people all the time in every <laughs> single interview back then. Yeah. 
He, he was too deep in the goofy stuff then, which loved it. But yeah, there's no way he would have done that. He was his bread and butter was uh, being funny at the yeah. point. It would have been neat, but the, oh, the Burt Reynolds one that would have been good. Yeah, yeah, that would have been nice. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we Sorry didn't answer that it. question. All right, our next question is from Quinn. Which episode had a great, interesting murder that you wish had a better episode around it? And also the reverse, which episode had wonderful performances that you wish was supported by a more interesting murder? A couple I thought of off the top of my head since I read this question. One's where I wish it was a better episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was interesting murder. Uh, Short Fuse was like the one that I thought it was a better yeah. episode. Yeah, I think you're right about that. That's a good pick. I had trouble with this question, but you you throwing that one out makes sense because there was a lot of peddling. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you had some really great actors in that episode. Oh, it, yes. It, it was a crime not to fill that dead time with them interacting more. Right. Yeah. Um, and the other one, the murder wasn't so great, but the hiding of the murder uh, was really interesting and complicated. Uh, blueprint for murder. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, um, I kind of, I kind of wish some things just had come together a bit better than that. I think those are both season one episodes, right? Yeah, and that, um, yeah, because that's uh, that was episode five. Oh, that uh, Falk actually directed. Yeah, that Falk directed, yeah. and they gave him that. They gave him that Ridiculous terrible situation. Thing, yes, yeah. But that was my favorite part of the episode, was him filming the ex- the extraction. Right. You know? oh, okay. Um, and for the ones where I wish it was a better uh, murder for the performances and performers. Uh, 90s one agenda for murder. Okay. Like, I, I just think yeah. the tooth print and cheese thing was just like, ah, I wish they'd gotten a better thing, like a better, better plot, better killing around that. So those mm-hmm. are the ones that popped in the top of my head for, uh, for those things. John? Mine. Um, I don't know if I'll get heat for this, but murder, smoke and shadows. I thought I was intrigued by the murder. Yeah. But. They, eh. It was not that – like, it's a movie set, and this guy's involved in fantasy, and I was really expecting, right. like, that this would become yeah. a, a bit of a, a – what's that Altman film? The Player? Yes. I just, yes. Yeah. I just wanted to see, like, all the cliches of film happen and find them slightly inverted, and maybe that's asking a lot. In fact, I know it is. Right. But that didn't happen. Uh, playback, I think, also for the same reasons. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a very, very good. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the murder was great, but the execution and everything surrounding it just poked all the holes in it before right. you even got a chance to enjoy it. Yeah. And I might get heat for this one, too. A really, a very lame murder that had a great cast fade into murder. Oh. That's a uh, word you know fowler just. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. He I'm kinda, not a kind of shoots a guy and he just leaves his fingerprints in the bullets. Yeah. You mm. know, you're right. I, I love yet, that episode, but yeah, you're right. Great character. Ward Fowler was a lot of fun. And Shatner just lampooning himself is one of the most fun things in entertainment. Because you never think of him actually ever doing that. Yeah. Especially back the, then. That's yeah. the thing. He has this reputation for taking himself so incredibly seriously. Which I think he definitely does, but then... I think he, he does it in a way. I think you have to dig real deep, or maybe not too deep, but you have to dig deep to find the part of Shatner that's sensitive about himself. Right. Because yeah, yeah. he's padded himself out. 
Yeah. So I think it's always a pleasant surprise to see him perform because he his defaults his default scenario is I'm making fun of myself. The pushing him too far is are, you know. right. Yeah. All right, and Quinn says, oh, just one more thing. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Columbo talked a lot about himself and his life and family over the years, and many of those details were contradictory. Are there any instances where you sincerely believe he was lying to draw on a suspect, or does it all boil down to the quotidian reality that the writers weren't all that careful? I think, to me, 99% of the time, it's to establish a connection with the killer or just kind of annoy them with an ingratiating story. And I think that's it most of the time. I think he does have, once in a while, there is an actual relative there. But I don't think his wife is into nearly as many things that he says his wife is yeah. into. I don't think, most of the time, he does actually have these million nephews uh, who just happen to be in the same field that the killers are interested in or also work in. I think a lot of time it's just to bother them or just try to get more into their good graces and just mm. buy a little bit more time with them. That's, that's, that's how I take it usually. I would, I would suggest there's only two and a half occasions when I'm sure that Columbo is talking truth about his wife. Mm-hmm. And that's uh that's troubled waters and where he's actually on the oh, phone. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's right. a good one. Yes. Definitely not lying. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got distracted because I just remembered he does talk to her on the phone in um, Agenda for Murder. So there's two. Right. Uh, The halftime is, I think it's in, uh, it's all in the game. And he's moving through the apartment and he's just kind of muttering to one of the young cops about how he's tired and he's got an egg and he needs some salt. He's just rambling. Right, but he mentions his wife once or twice, and I, that seems fairly. Oh, right, it's, it's not too. He's just yeah. saying like, "Oh, I got this." This is just, yeah, yeah. Mm, so it's think, an innocuous mention, so I think that's fair. I mean, I think the whole discussion, like, "Oh, she doesn't really exist." I don't agree with that at all. I no, don't she agree absolutely with that does. No, yeah, she does. The only exist. question is, yeah. yeah, the only question is how much of what we're given about her character is real. I think most and, of the time it's not. No, almost almost inevitably, but the one time I think we were about to get the truest description of mrs colombo uh is in my favorite scene in by dawn's early light uh-huh. when they're sitting in uh sitting in the office and mcgowan has just confessed this strange oh right the the rose garden thing yeah the articulate yes. but somehow staged fantasy he has of peace right. yeah like as if to explain he does not truly know what peace is right and therefore shouldn't be teaching boys to do war. I right. that's good. I love that episode. Yeah. And Columbo has kind of a okay, we're being honest now, are we? And he's about to start talking. And he gets a little bit in and the phone rings and that's it. Yeah. And I think I think that was supposed to be a moment where Columbo is so human that we were really gonna hear about her. Oh, yeah, probably. You know, and maybe there, you know, not that I think there was a script written for this, just that that was supposed to be the takeaway. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, cool. I think, oh, actually, something just occurred to me, too. Uh, I think one time where actually he is definitely honestly talking about a nephew of his uh, is mm-hmm. when he buys the nephew a boombox at the discount place in Columbo the Murder Rockstar. And he's just yeah. driving down the highway with it at the end of the episode. He actually <laughs> did go and get that boombox for his I also nephew. I get it. Yeah. yeah. All right, Kim asks, 
Where are we going to find our collective Columbo fix, aside from listening to the DVD, uh, probably watching the DVDs? How can we get a reboot with Mark Ruffalo? I think the first question, yeah, I don't know what they're doing with oh. DVDs. I mean, they, they, they've yeah. got the channels that are running them. Uh, Hallmark, here in the U.S. at least, Hallmark Channel, uh, I think, runs them every Saturday and Sunday morning, occasionally night. I think MeTV, Cozy might still be running it. I know there's an official YouTube channel where they've thrown some episodes up, but in terms of anything available multi-season on demand, I don't think it's out there. I think some people have uploaded episodes to Daily Motion, but they've just kind of flipped them horizontally so they're backwards, because I guess that's how you get around. Well, if it's backwards and all the writing is backwards, it's not a copyright violation. So they're out there, uh, but it's but something where it's actually a good, clear version you can scroll through pretty easily. That's high quality. It's it's yeah, just not out there streaming at this point, which is weird. Now, outside of the uh, the actual episodes, you do have a lot of options. There have been about four thousand podcasts that have been born and died since we started doing ours. That is true. Yes, yeah. all folks on Columbo. Yeah. Uh, likewise, you. Uh, there is a World of Columbo merchandise out there. This is one of the delights I've discovered. Oh, the books. Um, yeah, the weird books. There's, yeah, yeah. there's three books. They're very strange. They're sort of 90s Columbo. So the fun part is cast your favorite washed-up 80s actor in a role. Huh. Uh, there's, of course, the uh, Columbo board game. I think there's actually two. Oh, right. So if you want to hunt those down. There's, there's movie posters. There's collectibles. I was having a f- lot of fun looking up parodies and finding satires in comics and magazines like Mad and, and Cracked. And uh, we would be very remiss not to mention that our own, that a former guest of ours, Nathan Paletto, has created a Columbo role-playing oh, game. Oh, right, yes, of course. Or right. at least a strategy game. So yes. uh, we will, I'll relink that in okay. Tumblr, and I'll put it back on the Twitter so everybody can yeah. check it out. I, I do want to say that I'm thinking a lot about how to contribute to Columbo content after this point. Because I, I like the fandom that I've met and I'm still intrigued by it. So I'm thinking really hard about trying to put together a Columbo source book for role-playing games. Oh, geez. I, I think I, a zine actually, I would almost kind of be more interested. I have a zine listed here too. Yeah. A zine I'd be more interested in because people can put their own little bits of writing and art and stuff into that. I'll start throwing together you know, a premise for a scene if you want to you chat about it. I'd love to. Hey, what the heck ever happened? Remember a couple of years ago, there was, there was somebody uh, having a big talk about having some sort of convention in New York State yeah. somewhere, and they just kind of went nowhere, which was Piffled, I think. It happens. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. They're hard to put on. Um, the Mark Ruffalo reboot? I don't know. I mean... Oh, yeah. I mean, it even happened, but then also it's... It, 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 down at the reality of it, it it's not a hugely uh, popular piece of media here in the U.S. So I think it would be difficult to get the money and interest together in that sort of thing. And then also it's like a monkey's paw wish. Who knows how that something like that would turn out, you mm. know? I mean, but I think that's another question coming up. We can talk about it a bit more, like a couple questions down the line, but actually, yeah, let's wait till we get to that one. So actually, there's another question right. about like a reboot thing and I've got opinions about that. And yeah. Uh, Rick Mahurin uh, wrote into us on Twitter. Which episode feels like the last true episode? Ashes, I like this question. Notes, oh. or Nightlife? 
I think Ashes to Ashes and Columbo likes the nightlife, but for different reasons to me. Oh, that's that's a tie. You made a tie. Well, no, a... I mean, no, no, it's not necessarily a tie. Like if it, it had ended with Ashes to Ashes, I'm kind of setting notes, uh, mirth many notes aside because it doesn't really feel like mm. some kind of ending. Whereas Ashes yeah, to Ashes felt like it could have been because you're ending it with uh, someone who is uh, very. Uh, I think at this point, integral to the the whole uh, history of the show, really, um, starring in it against him and directing it. But then Nightlife is a really interesting postscript ending thing just to show that the character actually uh, could have life beyond all of that. Because it was, what, two years, two, three years after Murder of Too Many Notes, I think, that uh, Nightlife was done. I think that was 2000... I don't know the numbers in front of me. What, but I think it was a couple years after you wouldn't be expecting them to do another episode. What? Um, just just by by the very nature of it feeling like a very good send-off uh, so you could remember the character in a sort of modern setting. Um, but then showing, hey, this could still work. You could still do it visually. You could still do it with the pacing, the writing that it actually could. I don't know. I, I think... I say either one would be a good... Uh, last episode of the series, but for different reasons. Yeah. I think, uh, Columbo likes the nightlife is a great final episode. Like for all the reasons you said, it shows that Columbo still had some relevance in, in this new way the media was being depicted. Uh, so it is, it would be my pick for a final episode, but ashes is the best farewell episode. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Ashes to Ashes. Yes. Ashes to Ashes is the uh, the wacky first bit of um, the last episode of MASH. Okay. That that's <laughs> I don't think that's that doesn't work. It was not fully wacky at any point. I, I said okay, but I don't remember how that went. But I'm just saying the whole thing yeah. about it being like yeah, it is a send off farewell thing. That you're yeah. right. That's a good Yeah, it is. It just feels like yeah. Hooray, let's have a small party for, yes. for everything we know about Columbo. And yes. It was wonderful in that respect. Yes. Uh, okay. Jason Brown. Okay, here's this question. Um, <laughs> here's this fucking question. Well, no, I'm saying we've talked about before. <laughs> uh, regarding a reboot, have you seen Mark Ruffalo in Zodiac? Yes, fine film. He has a bow tie away from Columbo. Could it actually work in this day and age, or could should it be a period piece? And also for a reboot, who would be the best director or writer for a new series? I think you'd have. To, I think you said a current day if you're going to do it. I don't know who you would get to direct or write it. I mean, I think it'd be whoever is some prestige reboot person that's doing whatever that month, you know, would get assigned to it. But I, I also kind of have the mind of this sort of thing. Maybe new good things could be made instead. You know, people put their resources to making a new story, a new character, a new show. Um, not necessarily bringing this back up. I don't know. That's my opinion on that. All right. It'd be neat if it showed up again, but also yeah, make a new, make a new nice thing for people to enjoy. Tell some new stories. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't mind seeing a Columbo revamp. I don't know that I'd want to see a reboot. Well, what, what's the dip? I think people, it's one of those phrases people use interchangeably, which gets kind sure. of strange where, uh, so it's like reboot... the language gets mangled. Yeah, like uh, the the J.J. Abrams Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Trek, Star yes. Trek movies, yes, are a reboot. Right. Yeah. The J.J. Abrams Star Wars movies are a revamp. Right, but also just a continuation. Right. But I mean, it's yeah. 
I mean, either but way, it's, it's not just a continuation. It's that he took all of the existing characters and scenarios and found a way to reconfigure them so that they were contemporaneous. Sure. So it's not it's not just this is chapter whatever chapter it's up to. Right. It's it's here's all your char- your favorite characters. Now uh, they've had 40 years or whatever to grow. So this is their new roles. These are their persona. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, could you have I a, guess, co- you know, I, I guess I don't really see a need to do that because, you know, they would have that tendency to give a backstory and explain that's, everything. Yeah. And like, they don't need to do that. Just make a new thing. That's good. My, my concern, like I would love a seventies era remake. I like that idea. Mm. It seems to lend itself to some really nice approaches. You could do something as broad as the nice guys or something as oh, Zodiac. Well, okay. There you go. You're bringing the nice guys. And now I'm on board. Yeah. So sure. But okay. here's my only concern about that is that if it is a period piece, I don't see how we go without giving Columbo a backstory. Right, yeah. And giving him some kind of trauma and giving him something for the audience to sink their teeth into besides go get him, Frank. Right, and you'd you'd hope that they just do it like the old ones. Yeah. Here's Do you, you know you I give, can only you give all of, of that all those problems, all those issues to the killer and the victim. You don't need them for Right. Columbo to come in to do it. That's kind of the way that worked. We yeah. have a question coming up about writers and directors for Columbo. But I'm going to, I'll spoil this. Or are we asking well, that no, one? That now? was this one. That was this one. Oh, yeah. this one. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say this then. The only director I could possibly imagine putting Columbo in a movie and using him the way the TV show did, which is to say sparingly, are the Coens. Oh, maybe. Yeah. So put that in your head. Just imagine. Lieutenant Frank Columbo, a sort of strangely mystical creature who hangs out at the bowling alley, or the ch- or the chili hut. Right. How about yeah, you? Yeah, that could be that could be fun. I didn't come up with any because I just like, you couldn't, you I, I don't. Well, no. Director. I mean, I think I was thinking more in terms of uh, directors and writers for television, not films, because I don't think this would ever okay. be a movie. I think it would have to be. Oh, I see. It would be like a TNT series, or it'd end up on HBO for three episodes, or something like that. And either one of those they ended up trying to make some sort of yeah, darkish thing that's very wrought, and I don't know. Well, let me give you two that I came up with that I think might work, directors. Okay. David Byrne. Oh, that'd be neat, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, that'd be neat, sure. And uh, since I am catching up on my, my Better Call Saul, I honestly think Vince Gilligan is your guy. I think that would be good, too. I, you yeah. know what? That actually, that could work. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, that could work. Um, or the, even the... the, the uh, well, I mean, to kind of overlap it slightly with the, the Coens, the, the, the fellow mm-hmm. who did the uh, Fargo TV series. Yeah, I was thinking about him, too. Yeah. Whose name eludes me at the moment, but I, I think know. that would... You know, he would... I think be able to kind of uh, capture some of the weirdness mm-hmm. and the, make it lighter in a terrible way somehow. So if it was to happen, that'd be great. But yeah, it's um, really just got to be somebody who's capable of doing a class story. Yes. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jason had a few more questions. My goodness, Jason was busy. Um, busy. Columbo overall, how does it compare to the Great Detective Police series? Series. Yeah. Series. Yeah. Yeah. Hugely influential, but compared to, say, The Wire, a U.S. point of view might see it different from how we see it here in England. 
I think, like I said before, people here remember it fondly, but it mm. doesn't seem like it's a huge influence like it has been in the UK. And the thing is, I think mostly people remember it as being this really nice Peter Falk thing that he did. But in terms of it being this enduring thing, I think it's actually got a pretty small niche audience compared to the UK. And it's weird how it's just by dint of how syndication deals were worked out between the two countries. Like, where it just stayed on television constantly over in Britain all this time. Whereas here, well, it was on in prime time for a while, and then it was on Sunday mornings or late at night, and then it was on in prime time sporadically for a few years, and then it went back to being on basic cable in the middle of the afternoon, and sometimes now on other even... UHF slash basic cable channels once in a while, and it's it hasn't had the sort of uh, constant exposure here that it has over there, which t- is just a fascinating, strange thing to me, and just because that's how deals were written up and worked out and how saleable they thought it was. So to me, I think it doesn't have that weight that it does over in the UK for some reason. Yeah, I put I put a ton of thought into this one. Okay, go ahead. I'm just going to completely steamroll you because, uh, you know, I've got the Columbo alert set up so that I can do stuff for the Tumblr. Sure. And I, I get I, it. Columbo feels to me like if you're an aficionado of television or of detective shows, then you you're very aware of it. Right. Uh, and so whenever there are these best shows in such a such genre, Columbo's always incredibly high but even when i see just top 100s columbo's always on there right he has he does have a presence he's he's a he's the david steinberg of detective shows he's the comedian's comedian that's yes of course (laughs) but uh so so here's what i came to thinking about it i think if you have general criteria if you you just say cop show detect cop detective law show columbo will probably be in your top five because it's it's vaguely defined enough and he's inimitable enough. It's such an unusual formula and an unusual show that I think it, it has no choice but to float to the top. On account of it's not a detective show. It's a fantasy show about this nearly magical leprechaun who just busts through every barrier that's ever been established between the wealthy and justice to make them pay for their crimes. Mm-hmm. This is... I. I can't think of any other like any cop show gets completely wrapped up in procedural. Right. And if you if you ever did anything like Columbo did, it, the entire episode would be about you're a loose cannon. Right. Yes. Um, so. In detective series, I think he's somewhere in the top humanist crime stories, the top fantasy detective, n- the top, because when you you look at shows that he's often compared to like Monk or Fargo, the two that come to mind, uh, they're wildly different shows. You would not watch three of those and think, oh, these are all on the same trail. It's that all three of them are just very different. Yeah. So I, I honestly feel that just because of that atypicality and then just generally the high esteem it's held in, yeah, it, it ranks up there in a, in a top ten. It's probably below The Wire because The Wire has something to say. It oh, actually has yeah. a statement. Right. But just because Columbo is... I don't know, such a unicorn. I have to put it in. It's, I have to imagine it's in a top 10 where a lot of people like to put it. Well, I think, yeah, I think uh, you're you're right in terms of where it's ranked 
mm-hmm. as that type of show, especially probably with people who make those type of shows, people who watch those type of shows, say those type of shows. But I can tell you there have been so many times over the last four years we've been doing this thing or if it's come up like, oh, I, I do a podcast. Oh, really? What's it about? Oh, it's about the show Columbia. Like, oh, what? Yeah, the Peter Falk thing was detective. Oh, with the raincoat. Yeah, I kind of remember that. People, hmm. it's it's surprising how many people just, they haven't seen it in like 20 years. Yeah. Or they're just vaguely aware like, oh, right, Peter Falk was that guy in the thing. It's become, it's weird because he's, it's the just one more thing thing where that became, you know, it's the, the that episode of The Simpsons where Bart becomes famous for saying that one line where I think a lot of people know it from, like, oh, yeah, wore the raincoat, looks kind of rumpled, it's the Al Hirschfeld portrait mm-hmm. of him, and wrestling his hair, and... Yeah, that's the thing that's always weird to me, that it's not... It's well... It's okay, it's pretty well-known, but the fact that it's not this wildly well-known thing... Mm. Like, it, like, it's part of the vital <laughs> curriculum of TV watching um, is strange to me here. And I think a yeah, lot of it's, it's just not available, and it hasn't. Well, it's been not even not it's availability. It's that everything has changed about how media is consumed here. Right, but even the, before that, though, because I mean, the fact that it is, I, I, mean, I think that it's a difference between the, the UK stuff, uh, between the UK and here, that it just was always available, it was always on, so people were exposed to it for like constantly for decades. It, and it's just mm-hmm. lucky enough that it happens to be a good thing they were exposed to. And so, yeah, but, you know, we, yeah. do have, we have stuff that you and I were raised on. I mean, MASH was on TV for 13 years, was in syndication for another 20. Yeah. I mention it and people give me blank stares. That's weird. Really? It's, it's more than wow. that. Yeah, I don't. But the oh. thing is, I'm actually, I have trouble getting MASH through to a lot of my younger coworkers, but they, know, they do know Columbo. Really? I don't. Oh. I don't know well, see, why. That's, that's interesting. Just, oh, that's just exceptions proving the rule, maybe. Huh? But um, yeah, it just. I don't think it's just inundation. I think there's something about it. You know, Britain had a, a more vibrant labor movement than we did. Uh, we were pretty crushed by the '70s. Maybe they were responding to the message. Oh, could be. Yeah, sure, could be. I mean that's an incredibly just throwing out utter nonsense. But who knows? Theory? I mean, mine, mine is my <laughs> theory was just that they got better distribution deals over there, so it's just as much. I just I feel like at an hour to an hour and a half each with only one recurring character, that's uh, that was a tricky thing for audiences, yeah. yeah, to get used to, especially when sitcoms were really ruling the airwaves in the eighties. Well, and and also it, they tried imitating it over and over and over again. Like none of the yeah. other. NBC Mystery <clears throat> Movies made it out of the 70s. Um, when, nope. And in the uh, 90s, 2000s, I think ABC tried it with other ones. NBC tried it also again. And none of them really lasted like this did. So it was just, yeah, perfect melding of concept, actor, character, everything. It just kind of lasted. Yeah. Jason has even more questions. Good Lord, Jason. Jason, give cops? someone else a chance. If you're a cop, you have to tell us. An empty lake superior. Um, we know there has been one pod do-over. Now you see him, and both good fun. Bless you for saying so, Jason. <laughs> I agree with you. They are both good fun. Thank you for taking that spirit that it was meant. Are there any other pods you might have done differently? I, no, really. The only thing I think of for this uh, was there was that one. There was one time I wanted to do like a second Christmas episode bit where it was the entire thing was it's a wonderful life, 
at the beginning, I was going to jump off a bridge, and Clarence the Angel was going to show me what it would be like if I'd never been born. And the episode would have been you and, uh, let's say, Manning. Leonard. Manning Leonard. or Leonard, whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, doing the episode, and it would have been much better than if I had been alive and doing it, or if I had been bored, and at the end, I jumped off the bridge. Never yeah, did that reason, one. Never did that one. some reason, you decided that the show would have been better with Leonard. <laughs> well, I, think, I think Leonard, I would, I would have wanted Leonard to be the angel, like he was the uh, ghost of Christmas past. Oh, the ghost of Christmas past. No, future. Ghost of Christmas future and the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, other than that, I can't think of anything I want to do over, because it's a podcast, really. I mean, I think mm. they all turned out how they were going to turn out. They were, I, I talking, wish we'd been able to get Gary Kroger. That would have been neat, yeah. That would have been amazing. And actually, someone asks about that later on. Uh, we'll, yeah. We'll, yeah. Um, I guess... And, uh, uh, oh, sorry. Well, I was just thinking, I wish... I'd, I had a guest that I wanted to bring on for a matter of honor, and I couldn't make it work. And I still would like to bring him on, be, or would have liked to have brought him on, because he's an, uh, an historian for the uh, American Southwest in Mexico. Oh. He, served in, he served in government and the military, and he has all this, like actual connection to the area and uh, was just full of history and I uh, could okay. not could not make it work so I did, we were fine anyway yeah still that would have been neat um, the format has been remarkably consistent over the last near five years thank you for saying that has it seemed <laughs> like that to you or do you feel it's changed at all subtly I think it's gotten easier I think I like the fact that we didn't uh, we didn't feel the need to do the skits at the end every single time. Yeah, was, uh, because was, good. I think part of it, too, uh, also with that was sometimes there were just really weird things in the episodes. I think it's more fun to have those audio clips of the weird stuff and just put that out there. Uh, one thing that was one thing I remember the other day was um, how um, I put out the promos before the episodes. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, the first time I did it with the Maggie Sirota episode, the first one after the pilot. Because I it was on Netflix at the time, I thought, oh, oh, good, they've they've all got the uh, 1970s tonight on Columbo things. I could keep using those, and so I did that one, and then realized, oh, they don't all have those, and now I've trapped myself into doing promos for this entire thing until it's finished, and I'm gonna <laughs> have to figure out how the hell to do that for the next like 60 odd of these. So maybe I wouldn't have done that if I had maybe kind of looked up some of the other ones and saw they didn't all have that promo audio at the beginning. But, <laughs> eh, there you are. There you are. Uh, finally, yeah. um, Jason asks, which episode of the pod do you think got the closest to your intentions mm. for it? That's a good question. That is um, a good question. I don't know. I mean, I kind of like to learn things I don't know. So when we had the things like the uh, two magic episodes of Lee Beaton, um... Uh, we had uh, Alan McPherson on for Murder Under Glass, having Did restaurant we? stuff. Yes. Um, they got the experience there. And having, like, a Tilt and Amanda on with their, like, uh, big, deep TV trivia mm-hmm. stuff. The TV. Even, even, oh, Mrs. Yeah. even Mrs. Columbo one with Amanda, where she had all that stuff about... Um, that Amanda was great. I I didn't put her on my list, and I really should have. Yeah. Um, uh, Bob Ingersoll, we had him talking about the legal stuff for that Ransom. Was fun. For Dead Man, um, Emily Ho, uh, we had her on. How for um, a Case Immunity? Kind of, we were talking about the legal stuff, and that uh, it's. I don't know. That, that I like that when anytime we could get someone on who was a deep fan of the show, and they're able to talk about things they've been thinking about the show for years, their theories, their ideas. 
I always liked that, being able to talk uh, to people who actually also like the show. It's one of those things where it makes you feel like, oh, I'm not just alone out here in the wilderness uh, watching this thing <laughs> and thinking about it as I'm watching it, uh, to know that there are other people out there who uh, feel uh, in a similar way and actually have been thinking about these things and to hear their stuff that's completely different from anything I would have thought about. Even you, talking to you about the thing, um, the guy. episode in, episode out, and things I just wouldn't have thought of that you just analyze the hell out of it. Like, oh, I, if I agree with it or don't, even to just hear that, like, oh, that's interesting. I wouldn't have thought of that in a million years. Those, those are the things that I really, really enjoy when we have people on and they just make you think differently or look at it think differently about it or make it look at it in a slightly different way. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I had a bunch of the people you just named on my list, Donna Bowman and new and Noel Murray were there too. Uh, Zach Handlin. I just like when people have a great insight that yeah, we don't have L Collins, uh, mm-hmm. by the way, <clears throat> who we should have had back a second time. I was going through the list of, of people and I'm really upset we didn't. Cause she had, I can't remember the name of the episode. Lovely, but lethal. Right, yes. And she had all that great stuff about how lesbianism was coded in film and television of the 70s. And it completely, like, opened up a new perception, or like a new interpretation of the Right, because uh, the, the assistant. Yeah, Vera yeah Miles the smoking, assist- the yeah, smoking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Should have had her on again. Um, but yeah, anytime we... Yeah, I had something like that where I just didn't know something. It was mm-hmm. great to just hear that and learn it. And also, anytime something would come up, would, which not only would get me to consider something differently, or if we were able to get uh, one of the guests to kind of like, oh, I would, I didn't think about that about this episode. Like any of that to get people to kind of like look at something a second time, or mm. even to look at an episode. Like if I didn't care for an episode, if I had my mind changed even a little bit, I like that too. I, I find that kind of neat. Like if there's something like, yeah, this one kind of sucked. Okay, I see your point. That actually wasn't bad. Or thinking about it in this context, whether or not the writers even intended it, you know, just this kind of it's just kind of neat to have one's mind opened up, even about a you know forty year old murder show. That's good, I think. Yeah. So anyway, thank you for that question. That was a good one. Um, Austin Gilbert says, "I think a huge chunk of Columbus appeal, at least for me." is that in a world of dark and gritty crime dramas, your Blue Bloods and Chicago PDs, Columbo throws all that out the window. Even the darkest episodes still feel like everything will be okay in the long run, and Columbo's still going to have his bowl of chili at the end of the day. Are there any other pieces of media that you think of that, you think of that buck an established theme like Columbo? The only other example that comes to mind is Murder, She Wrote. I think in this genre, the crime drama, Rockford Wild Files is one that definitely jumps out for me, especially this era. Where he wasn't like the tough, gritty, private eye. He just seemed tired of every single bit of bullshit that came his way. And everything was just constantly like, oh, I gotta deal with this now? Alright, fine. I think that one, I think, uh, could stand alongside Columbo uh, in that regard, for sure. I feel uh, 87th Precinct, now that I've been watching more of those. Oh, really? They've got a, yeah. yeah, there's a really inter- interesting take there, because the cops are all young juvenile smart asses mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting to see them played as you know hip quasi rebellion yeah, even as cops I, yeah, the okay. show did, 
Yeah, the show didn't last very long, so its impact isn't felt. And I'm sure you could like, you don't get that with something like 77 Sunset Strip because you don't right. have that as, that yeah. aspect of authority to it. If I had to pick another one too, I'd go uh, even more obscure and do L.A. Dragnet. Oh, I think I, I kind of figured you would. Yeah, I love that show because yeah. the cops fucked up and lost a lot. Yeah, no, that's good, and and kind of along those lines of one that nobody ever thinks of anymore. Uh, Bakersfield PD is another one oh, too. Wow. Yeah, that that's one that at the time was what the heck is this thing? It's a half hour sitcom, but it's not entirely funny, and there's no <laughs> laugh track, and it's oh, like, like Scrubs, cops, and it's it's better than Scrubs. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and it has Brian Doyle Murray, which makes it better than most things already. And just as an aside, uh, yeah, I love the show Emergency, and the reason is because I watched oh, an episode recently. You know, the seventies one, right? Oh, as a kid, I loved that as a kid. I loved seeing the reruns right? of that as a kid. I loved. And it. they uh, they literally had like a six or seven minute segment where it was the two guys uh, kind of washing a fire truck outside while traffic blew by, and they were like, "Yeah, somebody was getting rid of a couch about six miles that way." And he's like, "I don't know. Do you want a couch? Like, I kind of do want a couch." And they're just talking about that. They were just talking about maybe going to pick up a cat. It was like Cinema Verite. There's like burning up that much network television time with that. I it. love that sort of thing. We had it to kill. Had yeah. it to kill. Nice. Um, what's next? Kathy asks, What I would be interested to know is, did your perceptions of the 90s Columbos change after reviewing them? Most of the podcasts mm. make damning comments about the 90s, but it seems that many of the reviews concluded they weren't as bad as you assumed, except for the McBain's. And presumably the went, which I can't bring myself to watch either. Yeah, um, yeah no, I definitely no question there at all. Yeah, yeah. my my opinions of them because I just as a block figured like eh, they suck. But no, it's you can't think that way because some of them are actually really quite good. And mostly for me, it was a case of either not having ever seen any of them, or just not remembering details after twenty odd years or so, and mm-hmm. just kind of looking at them on the entire. Like a spectrum of Columbo episodes. Um, yeah, no, my opinion completely changed on them as a whole, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Not a, not on a whole, um, because a lot of them were awful. Well, yeah, a lot but, of them were awful, but a lot of them were actually quite good. Yeah, a lot of them so were that really made quite me, good. I, mean, I guess I mean on a whole, I mean, I, I was just, as she puts it, damning them all as a big clump. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, they're all terrible, there's nothing good in there, you know, salt the earth, nothing can grow. But then realizing, oh, no, there's actually some that I really quite enjoy and would watch again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we obviously talking about them at length. Oh, you know, actually, hopping around and doing the episodes out of order was yes. probably the best way we could manage that. Because yeah. we didn't end up going through a 20-some episode slog. Right. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was yeah. great. No, I think that I think so. That everybody helped. who gave us any hassle about doing it out of order, it was for our safety. Yeah, we would have wanted us to be otherwise. Sick. So yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, you're right. I think um, I have no idea why we decided to do it that way in the beginning, but I'm very glad that we did because it allowed us a lot more freedom, also in scheduling uh, certain episodes, certain guests. Uh, we weren't yeah. locked into any of it, and uh, we were able uh, to make the George Went episode our last episode. So there you go. That wouldn't have happened if we hadn't decided to do that back in 2014, I think. Yeah, 2014. Um, any chance of getting interviews surviving actors in the series? I'm going to guess no. Nah, I don't really want to. <laughs> unless, unless, unless we got to George Went on the on the horn. I don't think we do. No, that's no, we're trying not to get going Gary to Kroger, happen. Yeah. No. I might ask Tyne Daly about Swamp Thing. I really might. So yeah, if I, I'll yeah. throw some Columbo questions. Yeah, just ask her one question about... Uh, I'll throw one in. About... 
She should have been Mrs. Columbo. Oh, yeah, she would have been very good back then. Yeah. If they did cast anybody, it should have been yeah. Tiny Tim. Anyway. Uh, Douglas Block asks, What quality about Lieutenant Columbo keeps you coming back to the show year after year? His answer is his humility, best expressed mm-hmm. in the Buy High, Sky High IQ murder case. When he tells Theodore Bikel, When I first joined the force, sir, they had some very clever people there. And I could tell right away it wasn't going to be easy making detective as long as they were around. But I figured if I worked harder than they did... Put in more time, read the books, kept my eyes open. Maybe I could make it happen, and I did. And I really love my work, sir. That's one of my favorite lines from the series. Um, yeah, I think it's... Actually, the humility, that is a good big factor. I think the humility and the... You know what? Maybe that is it. I don't know. I'm trying <laughs> to think of what else. I mean, I guess it's the humility and also being able to... Um just being very good at scamming and tricking people he's so good at playing people for chumps that's my thing when they think when they think that he's the chump he's so good at just reeling them in and just playing on their uh vanity and their uh supposed superiority i think that the cleverness and being able to do that the intelligence that that uh shows that that also is a giant uh, giant uh factor in my enjoyment of the character yeah, I uh, the imagination that gets put into Columbo's investigations are what I like. He finds a different way to gotcha. Yeah, for almost every single guy, and the you have to admire the circuitous mind. You know, right? It's it's got a it's got the ability to make some really abstract connections that have the quality of dreams, and oh. that same frustrating quality where That's if fancy. you would, have you ever attempted to explain a dream that made perfect sense to you and it turns right. out it's gibberish? Yeah. Columbo is somehow the man who can bridge that gap. Yes. Um, and also he just couldn't care less about how he presents himself to the world, really, which is nice, too. Just, Which I think, I guess, that goes to that humility, that just kind of lack mm-hmm. of, you know, pretension, really, which is nice. Yeah. Good question, Douglas, and I think uh, you're exactly right. So thank you. Uh, Michelle says, I'm sure you went into this with opinions about the episodes after rewatching and discussing for the podcast. Was there any particular one that you really changed your mind about? Uh, yeah, to the negative for me. Yeah, you made, you made me hate playback. Oh, oh gosh. Okay. But I was saying to the negative, a... uh, for me watching again, uh, Murder, Smoke and Shadows. I thought I was going to love that one, having not yeah. seen it since it was originally on and then watched it and was so underwhelmed. So unimpressed by it. That one was one where I just remember very strikingly, like, eh, this is not something I enjoy. And I thought I was going to love it, but no. I remember hating the Bye Bye Sky High IQ murder case. I'm still not a fan, but you loved but it. But I, yeah, it, it's my season favorite. I made season favorites. I know, favorites that's so strange. Wow, so. you loved that one. It, it, well, it's, comp- it's competition were fade in, which is Wade Fowler. Right. And uh, Ward Fowler, I mean, and yeah. Old Fashioned Murder. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's not the strictest competition, but I, I just ended up loving it. Wow, okay. Yeah. Poor Sorrell Brook. <laughs> well, he Poor guy. He had a career in the CIA. He's fine. Oh, that's true. Uh, Lisa Stein asks, Will you both ever watch Columbus's episodes solely for enjoyment again, or did doing the podcast change that for you? Yeah, I think so, but not super soon for me. 
I'm looking forward to watching a few that we haven't seen in years. I think I'm... For me, it's going to be a thing where if I'm flipping channels in, on a morning <laughs> and it's, something's on, like, oh, this one, okay, I'll watch a bit of this. Uh, but for in terms of watching an entire one, yeah, and I'm sure there are some that I will probably not see again mm-hmm. by choice. Um, we'll get to those soon. Yeah. yeah the worst list. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, because doing something like this, you spend so much time watching it and talking about it. I mean, I, I only really had the habit of watching it each episode twice. You, some of these you did many times, right? Mm-hmm. What, what, what's the yeah. most you, what's the most you ever watched one of these for the show? Oh, I don't know off the top of my head. There was a terrible one that I watched and rewatched. Yeah, you would do that I sometimes. Fun. I never was... got that. Wasn't it playback? I watched like four times. I think so. And I was warming up to it, and then you just destroyed it. I was like, yes, I had been in some kind of did, I'd have to Stockholm to that, syndrome. I'd have to listen to that episode. What is it that? It, what, what, what I don't know. You? I think you. It was you and um, Dylan. I think was our guest. Yes. And you just both successfully managed to like. Actually, that was terrible. Actually, that was terrible. I was like, oh my Pulse god, I had Stockholm syndrome. Just, just, just punch the bum, balloon bum, bum. and yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm not, because that episode is not that great. Um, yeah. If you were to do another podcast, is there a particular show or topic that you have in mind? I've been thinking about this. I do have an idea for one oh. uh, that I've, I've posted up. Uh, I've proposed to you a couple times. Oh, okay. That'd be interesting. Um, but then also sometimes I think like uh, another TV recap podcast. Does the world mm-hmm. really need another one of those the two guys in their forties talking about a TV series? I don't know. The idea I have... According to be... iTunes, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, no, according to iTunes, which seems like there's a glut of them. Yeah. Um, they don't stop you. The one idea I have, I think... It could be a different way of doing it, and also allow freedom for taking the breaks for eight months like we did sometimes. Right. It wouldn't really matter. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe... But I, I don't. For me, there isn't a specific show. I don't think that I'd want. Yeah, that's the problem. If, there's a, if, there's a, if that's a hint, there's not a specific show that I want to do one of these about. But maybe a genre or topic. I yeah, think. yeah. I, uh, there's a, there's a few that I've thought of, and yeah, they they tend to be TV oriented. And we talked about doing Bilko because we love that show. Yeah, and, but... and I love. I love Phil Silvers. He's my favorite type of dude who's like really nice, kind, a genius, and also uh, just gets taken advantage of and dies sad. But then to me also, uh, watch a sitcom and explaining a right. sitcom seems like, why do that? It is kind of a good sitcom to do that to, though, because it was very progressive for the era. Like, a I lot would, of the... Well, anyway, yeah. The thing is, I, w- I would think something like that, it would be more interesting to talk about it as an example Mm-hmm. Like devote an entire discussion just to that program, and discuss yeah. it. I think yeah, a lot so, of these shows, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like I said, I'm with you. I don't really feel anything passionate. There's a comic book idea I have, but that's not really your steez. So, that would be something we would do separately. Do Do you want to talk about the Swamp Thing show? Sure. Why not? <laughs> Did you ever both record one of the podcasts same place location? No, I'm in Philadelphia. Yeah, you're in, in Redmond, Seattle. you're in Seattle, Washington there, so, no. This is actually... Thanks, technology. That's the saddest part about this, is that I've really enjoyed getting to spend time with you, RJ. We don't... Even when we were, like, in the same spot, it's never been for more than a day or two. Right, but I mean, I like <laughs> that still this is able... This is possible. 
yeah to be able to do this like this and also bring people in from all over the darn world to talk about oh, yeah. the oh, show to, over know, the last get to hang out with years. our friends we got some somebody was upset that we were bringing some of our friends on and it's like but these are the people we like to talk to and we right. all share our interests so yeah there's and it also a lot of other shows do that, so I'm not sure. Yeah. But, the, you know, it's fine. People have opinions. It's fine. But um, I like I like getting to talk with you. I like that we I like the 15 or 20 minutes before the show where yes. you, you vent about your day. <laughs> yeah. Which has been less lately. Thank yeah. God. But, yeah. Um, has there ever been a time when you had to redo a podcast for any technical reasons? No, actually. Nope. Surprisingly. Um, the one time, probably should have, I remember um, years ago, Chris Sims... Uh, told me about like oh you know I was listening to some of the old episodes I like how you just kind of let it be natural including that one where uh, John's audio cut out and you're just talking to the guest until he comes back on and I just hadn't realized that I hadn't edited something out of that I have no idea what episode it is so but there's one back in the archives there where you listen to it and I just did not listen to that entire thing and you can hear where apparently we're your audio cuts out. You had to recall mm. in, and I'm just kind of doing small talk with a guest. That's uh, I'm not going to be any, I'm not going to be help with it because I'm such an egomaniac. I stop listening when I'm not talking. So yeah, so I have no idea. So that's out there. So apparently, no, I haven't had to redo them or didn't choose to. <laughs> actually, uh, Tyler Adams feeling a little sad that you guys are nearing the end, but looking forward to the Manix podcast. Good, lots of Manix. Uh, just wondering which of the long roster of Columbia killers, if any. You consider could have sustained their own spin-off series. Let's assume they either got off in technicality and they were free to continue their career unblemished by any reputational stain. Ruth Gordon's character, Nimoy, or one of the nineties villains, Fisher Stevens, Rift Torn? And what would be the premise of the series? Uh, we've covered this one a lot. I mean it's a Columbo antibody theory, right there, mm. in a nutshell, where it's been countless TV shows that if you look at most of these episodes, uh, the killer or some minor character Columbo's just coming in almost as the antagonist in a different TV series and sending this person away and ending their series with that episode, pretty much. We really got to do a zine. Yeah, see, a zine would be good. It would just be a list. Yeah, I'm thinking about like, illustrating the, the antibody theory anyway. Well, so, yeah, I mean, but yeah, also... Creighton's Law, the sitcom right. from um, Death Hits Jackpot. Yeah, there, there's a whole <laughs> bunch. Like, I'm thinking, though, we don't always come up with what it is we say like the genre or we say this was a cop show or this character might have been the lead but we haven't really sat down and figured out i, I guess i i actually got as far as figuring out the intro to creighton's law right yes. but yeah i i think it kind of like it would be funny to kind of find one that you would actually want to watch right yeah and I for think... me that would be detective fowler well i'm i'm more oh yeah that'd be a good one yeah yeah um, I, I think also, uh, this is for the zine, you just have like a uh, mock-up a uh, fake TV guide page from like the 1980s that has a bunch of these series in it with a little descriptions and the time slots and the... That'd be, oh, that would be a blast. Yeah, there you go. So there you go. Right. Put, a, put a paint in that. Um, and finally, Vic B. Jones writes in, in retrospect, was it a mistake to bring Columbo back after the series ended in the 70s? And... In either of your minds, do the '90s episodes detract from the quality of the original series? I'd say no and no. They're kind of a fart in a pew, though. Well, a little bit, but I mean, it's not like it erased the videotapes of the '70s ones. They're still there, and they're still True. very good. Um, I just, I, you know, it's weird that 
And I, I know that we made this part of our dialogue on the podcast, but when I talk to people who do listen to the show, it's impo- even if you're talking about a 70s episode, they find a way to mention a 90s one, like as a, as a reference to something bad. Oh, yeah. You know? I think they're fine. They're harmless. Uh, they they <laughs> gave Peter Falk something to do, kept him out of trouble. Yeah, yeah kept him out of prison. I don't kept know. him from building, kept him from building railroads for communist regimes. Yeah, something like that. So it's fine. Um, also, who are your favorite Columbo writers? Mine is probably Jackson Gillis. I agree with you there, one hundred percent. I think Gillis, yeah. Gillis and uh, Stephen Bochco are the two. I think are two of my favorites. I'm uh, I'm a Peter S. Fisher guy. He's got a half and half going, fifty fifty. I did publish and perish, friend indeed, and exercise and fatality. I like all those. Right. Okay. Uh, uh, Gillis did Double Shock, Lovely But Lethal, and Last Salute. Yep. So, also excellent. And Bill Driscoll, Identity Crisis, Forgotten Lady, and Troubled Waters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so also, and and uh, Vic, you did not ask, but I'm going to tell you, uh, directors, I think I would <laughs> put McGowan up there as a really good oh, director. Oh, yeah, because absolute favorite. It would just always, it would always be good and strange. And just odd, and not feel like anything else. And I think that was good. And you can tell that just something about it. You can tell uh, just having some fun with it, just kind of messing with the format a little bit, um, in different ways. Either the '70s or the '90s ones. I think, uh, yeah. So that, that's my that's my pick. Well, cripe. That's the last question, I guess. That leads us right. to our our lists. Of the first five episodes overall. I'm going to guess this one's going to overlap more than the best ones a bit. You think? Yes. Even Uh, though I put two 70s of mine. I'm actually rethinking it. Okay. Well, just go ahead. Uh, No, it's too late. It's too late. You put... All right. You put them down. Sam, go ahead. All right. Worst five episodes. Yes. This is going to worst. Okay. And leaving out Strange Bedfellas, because we haven't seen it, wouldn't be fair. Right. Caution, murder can be hazardous to your health. Mm-hmm. Just an intolerable episode made much worse by the addition of Aaron Blair. <laughs> uh, this is the one I'm kind of tossed up on. I have How to Dial a Murder here. Oh, I like that one. But I'm wondering, is The Conspirators, which is the episode that followed it and is the actual last episode of the 70s. Yeah. That's really it, isn't it? That's That episode is a mess. Yeah, I just, I, I yeah. yeah, it's not great. Yeah. So I'm gonna, re, I'm gonna, re, uh, yeah, conspirators. Uh, above that, a case of immunity, just because. Oh. Yeah, a lot of reasons. Yeah. And uh, above that, no time to die. Okay. There you go. Those are your worst five. Those are my worst five. Again, only uh, intersected once. Are you serious? Yeah, my worst five are all 90s. Nothing but 90s, baby. Here we go. Here we go. Um, No order. These are just five. Rest in peace, Mrs. Columbo. That is bad. Terrible premise. Terribly executed. Uh, Columbo goes to college. I know it's one that people like from the 90s. I couldn't stand the thing. It doesn't even register. It doesn't even register for me. I don't see how it is. It was worse than mediocre for me, which is not great. Yeah. Uh, Columbo cries wolf. (laughs) <laughs> that's just a sloppy it's a weird episode sloppy wet pizza um mm. sex and the mary De- style sex and the mary detective very bad oh god the tuba scene, the tuba <laughs> scene. And, uh, uh, anyway um and then finally 
uh, we're we're in agreement, as they say, on No Time to Die. Yeah, I was going to ask about if you had to pick between Undercover and No Time to Die. No Time to Die. Why? No Time to Die. Just hands down. Yeah, hands down. No question. Undercover is okay. They took a stab at doing a different thing. Mm-hmm. Didn't work. It was just kind of like, uh, all right, whatever. No Time to Die was just aggressively terrible. Every single choice in that episode was just seemed calculated uh, to just annoy the viewer at home. It was just awful. Just <laughs> wow. awful. Awful, awful piece of television. Regardless of being Columbo, it's just an incompetent bit of television production. It's wow. terrible. Terrible. Cheap and crummy. Yeah. That's how I feel about No Time to Die. It's such a waste of Ed Bagley Jr. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like it's it's a bunch of like, oh, it's kind of a sad waste of stuff, but it's not It is. It's a tremendous It's not aggressively terrible like No Time to Die. Here's what I get out of it. Now it's not on my list either, but here's what I got out of it. The annoying thing is they realized, okay, we have to do something different with Columbo. We can't you know even if it's not a we need to improve him for the next decade, it's a what we've been doing isn't working. But they just went like, oh, well, everybody loves the overcoat. Let's put him in jams instead. I know. Give him some zoobies. That just a terrible mistake. Well, and then just breaking the format to make it a whodunit where you don't yeah. find the killer out till the end, which is. And we have to spend time with Columbo where he doesn't know what's happening and hasn't made a decision on where to, what to do next. Right. Which, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't. It's not good, but it's not as not good as. No time to die. No time to die. With the guy with the doorless murder shack. <laughs> All right. We, we were staying at a friend's house, and they had a bunch of those window blocks. Yeah. Uh, and I just, the whole time, I'm just like, you can hear outside? You can <laughs> scream? Uh, anyway. Oh, God. that one, I, I just remember the thing that made me very upset with that one. The, the cheat, uh, the stupid cheat with the, the wedding photos. We're like, oh, oh right. the guy the guy was at the wedding. But then if you go back and look, they didn't have the actor in the, any of the scenes where they would have been with the photos. I'm just like, oh, you guys could have done at least on that. At least do that. I, if you're going to restage the photos, just, oh, my God. Yeah, it's I, uh, I think I was more along the line of being horrified by the constant degradation of a woman in uh, absolute terror. Well, that too, yes. That was that also got, That got on my nerves a touch. Right, but I mean, that happens on a show yeah. about murders quite often. Yeah, no. So, That's not an out. Never an out. No, it's not, not an out, but I'm saying... I, I wasn't defending it. Yeah. I wasn't saying it was good. Well, those were the worst episodes of Columbo. In our <laughs> there you go. Well, okay. Thank you, everyone, uh, who sent in the questions. It was good kind of going in, going through some of that. Um, glad you folks thought enough of this thing to want to hear what the heck we think of that stuff. Um, that's always a surprising thing uh, to, to be aware at all that anyone's out there on the other side of uh, the microphone, the computer, the headphones, uh, even listening to this on a sort of regular basis. Uh, so that's very nice. It's very gratifying uh, to know that you listen to it and hopefully enjoy it at least 35% of the time. I'd be happy with that. Um, so thank you for sending those in. I hope the answers satisfied you somewhat i don't know um but yeah it's weird not having a guest on this isn't it it is a little strange yeah you're uh there's something interesting about your patter when there's not a when there's not a guest 
Yeah, it's, it, it seems desperate and fillerish. It's not that it's desperate and fillerish, but it definitely does feel like the guy who's got the one thirty show. <laughs> yes. Like in Reno, it's just you yeah. gotta fill it, buddy. Yeah, I usually feel like that when we have a guest too. Where it's like, oh, there's <laughs> there's two seconds of silence. Okay, well, uh, this thing happened, and uh, well, I don't know. I'm gonna look over here. You know, look, I've got it's a not a visual media a staple on my desk. I gotta keep talking. Gotta keep it. No dead air. No dead air. But sometimes oh, you need. Dear. Sometimes it probably should have had dead air. Um, yeah. Yeah, we uh, should have pulled the plug on it. No, no, no. I, I mean. Sometimes you get more. I, I was just reading. Um, I'm not going to do that. We're, we're like a minute, an hour and 49 to this. I'm not going to start I'm talking about interview with Robert Caro. Oh, sure. Please. I want to ask you one question before we go. Yeah. Yeah. You going to miss this? Yeah. Yeah, I will. Right. Yeah. I think just to keep me busy. Sure. No, no, I will. <laughs> no, I will. And that, that's kind of why right. I want to do something else uh, somehow in some form. Uh, but yeah, no, I am. E- even this whole thing of just. Um, uh, the, the ritual of watching it once, not doing anything with it, and then watching the episode again and taking the notes and just having those all uh, written down in place. Um, yeah, yeah no, no, I will, I will. Uh, I, you? Yeah. Okay, that's I, good I'm really going to miss Thanks for not saying hell no. <laughs> Hang up. And then slam no, the I door. Am. I, like I say, I'm going to miss chatting with you. I'm going to miss having... I like having deep dives on entertainment. I like really learning about the thing, so... Yeah. Gonna, I'm going to miss doing that for a purpose, and I am going to miss just chatting with the people who listen to the show because that's been fun. And it's a shame we're not going to do it ever again, not even for one more episode. <laughs> no, Actually, we're not wouldn't that do be it. hilarious? <laughs> we just don't do that one. We just never wanna... do the George Wind episode. I just never see it for the rest of my life. I think uh, it's just there. I'd, I'd love to do the Lenny Bruce gag, the Lenny Bruce at Carnegie Hall gag, which is we start the podcast. And then we say, like, oh, there's something something happened with our tape. We couldn't watch it, but we didn't want to leave you guys hanging. So uh, instead, uh, John and RJ are going to do some of their favorite Gilbert and Sullivan songs. And then you and I just have the greatest voices in the world. And we just <laughs> sing for, like, an hour. And then we say, well, that's the last episode. And we hang up and we go. Yeah. That would be amazing. It'll probably be – that would be better definitely than the – well, I'm going to go find out. I'm going to go watch it. All right. Well, thank you, you... folks, for listening. Uh, this is it, our next to last deal. Uh, if you yeah. listen to other ones, if you're still on with us after almost two hours, uh, you can go to which you really should. You know what? I'm not even going to go through all that stuff. No, they you should, know this. You should really know all this by now. My God. It's the next to last one. You should, all, you should know where to find anything. Just oh, type no. the letters J-O-N-T podcast into Google. It'll, it should bring up several things. And you'll find us. Whatever. All right. That's it. That's our penultimate episode. I'm R.J. White. John Morris. Talk to you one last time. Oh, listen, just one more thing. Oh, wait, hold on. There's one more question. Uh, uh, A guy named Richard Massara writes in, other than Richard Massara, who has been your most handsome guy guest hmm. huh. gosh i uh rich ooh, that is a tough he's got guy. that hair yeah i know but rugged jawline uh blair has got that gray distinguished thing going for him though yeah um yeah i don't know what most of these people look like though that doesn't help uh, no, it doesn't i never want to um oh, oh i know oh i know too i think i got it yeah 
Abed. Abed. Right. Yeah. All right. There we go. Easily. Good night, Easily. everybody. Bye. Bye.